Welcome to Real Financial Planning, broadcast on WKXL and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Matt Robeson, and I'm joined, as always, by Mike Morton, the host of Financial Planning for Entrepreneurs, which is an excellent podcast for people who care about their personal financial situation. If you don't care about your personal financial situation, don't listen to Mike Morton's yeah, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> don't also, worry about it. this show is available in the Capital Close-Up podcast feed. They're both excellent ways to get a hold of this show. We hope you'll subscribe to both. And we're super happy that you're listening to us on WKXL Radio, which you can hear all over New Hampshire. Mike, welcome back. Thanks, Matt. I love, you know, I love being on the radio airwaves. And I do want those out there listening in the radio to send in a question because we're definitely getting more questions and comments. So when you've safely pulled off the road to wherever you're going, uh, or if you're listening in the office, you know, jot down a question and send it in because we would love to answer those here on the podcast and on the air. All right, so there are two ways that people can get their questions into us. Let's just repeat them as always. One is by email. What's that email address? Financialplanningpod at gmail.com. Also, feel free to look up the Beyond Politics with Paul Hodes and Matt Robeson Facebook page. That's the name of our overall show slot. We're on every day, 4 to 6 on WKXL radio. And so if you go to Facebook, you can just enter a question there. We will see it. We will check it out. Or you can send in an email. And Mike's right. Pull over to the side of the road if you're driving. Or if you're in the office, pull over to the side of your office. (laughs) Don't let your boss catch you doing your personal financial planning. Speaking of questions that we get from listeners, we have a question from a listener, which is awesome. I'm going to read it. Mike, the question is, the current economic situation seems to be taking a turn. High inflation. Wait, hold on on a second, Matt. Yeah. You said economic. I pronounce it economic. You said economic, and you just threw me for a loop on the whole question. You know, Mike, you don't inspire confidence if you can be thrown off by the pronunciation. Economic or economic? That's an interesting question. I, You know, I think it depends on what sentence you catch me in. I don't I, – What sentence? Now you, now you throw me All off. right. Let's Read you. the question. Here we go. Let's go. All right. The current economic situation seems to be taking a turn with high inflation, interest rates on the rise, and the pandemic potentially slowing down, allowing the economy to reopen. Given that, I'm curious about how to choose investments for the future. Even for the long term, five to ten years, how do you perceive this environment and what investments will you be shifting, Mike Moore? Yeah. So there's a lot in that question. Right. It's a really great question because I do feel we're in a slightly different time, right? The last you know five years, call it. Things have been just sort of chugging along, <laughs> pandemic aside. But in terms of the economy and, and profits and companies and low interest rates, we've been in that environment for a long time. Uh, no inflation to speak of. <clears throat> and now, you know, inflation's obviously kicked up. Uh, interest rates are on the rise with the Fed stepping in this year. And the economy is still, you know, he, you know heating up, potentially reopening in, in certain areas. We've seen a shift with what stocks have been doing well, you know, technology stocks coming down, energy and financial stocks on the rise. So given that, you could tend to think, okay, for the next five or 10 years, maybe we're in this little bit of a shift. And so how do we position our portfolios for the next long while? I'll use that from the, from the question here. And <clears throat> what should we do thinking about that future from right. a macro sort of macroeconomic perspective? Yeah, that makes sense to me. I mean, as as much as you've been very 
super clear on this show that what you want to do is invest for the long term. And if you do nothing else, just get into a good index, you know, kind of go with the market over time. That'll that'll do well for you. Obviously, the listeners to this show are people who do want to think a little bit more deeply about how they're positioning themselves. Maybe they're investing in individual sectors, industries, types of investments, or individual stocks. And right, I mean, we've seen as we're recording this, and obviously the show might have a long shelf life, but this this week, you know, we've just seen this this big stock market tumble from Meta, the, the holding mm-hmm. company over Facebook. And some of it is because of apparently the the expectation of rising interest rates, which means less free money available to big companies that like to invest in lots of speculative stuff. So it, it would make you, if you're kind of in that realm of thinking about more individualized investing, it would make you rethink a little bit what that next five to 10 year picture looks like. Right. Yeah. So let me break apart some of the components. One, the first thing is, you know, the, the listener has long term five to 10 years. And in, in investing frameworks, that is extremely short. So you have to understand that the <clears throat> investing, typically when I look at how to invest and the research behind that, any five-year period, you could see a lot of volatility. And that sounds bizarre because we're humans and five years is a really long time for us. You know, Think of where you were five years ago in your life. But the markets you know, ebb and flow with a much longer time horizon. So the, the classic economic uh, cycle, business cycle would be five to 10 years, um, sort of going through these peaks and troughs. So you have to take a really longer term uh, time horizon. So that is just not very long to even evaluate an investing strategy. A five or 10 years is just not that long to evaluate that kind of investing Mm. strategy. So realize that first. But let me ask you this question, Matt. So now we're thinking, okay, given the backdrop, you know, we just talked about this economic environment shifting, you know, um, if you had some, if you looked at it, you said, well, geez, maybe international will be better than than the US. I have I've got a thesis, you know, that investing in the in the international markets would be better or this sector, uh, you know, the financials or energy, I think that sector will be better over the next 5 to 10 years. If you have some thesis like that, first of all, how confident are you in that thesis? Let's say you're 60% confident. Oh geez, I I really think this is you know, better than a coin flip. I don't know, 50-50, right? So I I hopefully feel more confident than that. So I'm 60 or 70% confident. Okay. What, so you're going to go and make those bets. So I'm going to invest in these sectors in this thing. Right. What if you're wrong? Yeah. Well, I mean, w- what I would probably do, it, I guess the general version of the question is, if you're making a decision and you're 60% confident, it depends what the stakes are, right? Like mm, if I'm mm-hmm. 60% yep. confident that my house is not going to blow up this morning, <laughs> then I'm pretty worried about the 40%. Right. 40% is bad. Like 40% chance of my house blowing up. That's that's not great. So I, yep. I you know, if it's like 60% that I'm going to get a good chicken club sandwich, you know, at the <laughs> – uh, which, by the way, it, downtown Concord has the best. That's that's a side note. But the point is, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like coming I, to Concord, if, if there's a forty percent chance that I'm wrong, I don't really care. So if you're talking about 
the investments that. So let me let me ask it. Yeah. Let me ask it this way. So you are you've got some thesis. Hey, I think this right. thing based on the macroeconomics. I think it's more likely this is a better you know investment outcome. I'm about 70 percent confident. I mean, obviously you're not going to yeah. be a hundred percent, and you probably won't even be like eighty or ninety. So yeah, what would you do? I'm going to hedge. I'm not going to go all in on it. I'm not going to. I'm sixty percent confident, right? So yep. my thesis is, let's say my thesis is, you know what? These tech stocks, these these Facebooks and Googles, they're not going to do well. They're they're going to go through a rough patch in the five to ten year period. So I'm gonna I, I, I'm I, I'm not I'm bearish on those. Yep. If that's my thesis, and I'm sure there's a way I could I could figure out how to how to place a bet on that in the market. But am I going to like put my kid's college fund into that? No, <laughs> right. like I'm, okay. I'm, I, I might I'm gonna hedge. All right, fine. So you say, I'll right, take, you know, I'm going to just tilt, we call it tilting your portfolio, right, you right, know, right, away right. from those technology companies. Okay, so 10 or 20% of your portfolio is tilted away from the companies. You don't think they're going to do as well in the future, like they've done, you know, screamingly well in the past. <clears throat> now, we could have said this a few years ago, there were a lot of articles, um, you know, around breaking up, you know, big tech companies. And right. then look what's happened in the last couple of years, you would have missed out on all that. Okay, so now my next question to you, Matt, is, all right, you're taking that tilt uh, in your portfolio. When do you reevaluate that if you're right or wrong? That's a that's a good one. I, I mean, just gut instinct. I based on everything that we discuss on this show, my gut is you don't reevaluate like every day or or every few weeks. I probably I probably would would if we're talking about a five to ten year horizon. I'm probably going to try hard not to reevaluate for like six months. Right. So I love the way you answered that because you said you would try hard not to reevaluate. Now, I started this with telling you investing time horizons, five to 10 years is pretty short. And so now you're in a situation, just you and the listeners out there imagining their own thesis and how they would, you know, make those bets. And now they're putting themselves in the future like you are and saying, well, I would try hard not to think about it slash stress about it slash reevaluate. Now, what if it's turning against you? Oh, in one year, which we know is a very short investing time horizon. Your tilt is not working out in your favor. Jeez, Facebooks and and Apples and and um, <clears throat> Microsoft, these guys just keep you know they're making uh, money hand over fist still. You know it's things that whatever happens, uh, they're still doing really well this year. And you're kind of you know your tilt isn't working out in your favor. Mm. Do you stick with your strategy? I probably do. I probably do. If and the reason is if. If I had a strategy that was a five to ten, if I, the way you put it, the way investors put it, I had a thesis, which is mm-hmm. here's what's going to happen in this time horizon. Mm-hmm. If I have something that disproves my thesis, right? Let's say my thesis relies on I am confident that regulators are going to break up Facebook, and we're but for that to happen in my time frame, action has to start within the next year. Well, if something happens to disprove my thesis, mm-hmm. then I'll change strategy. But right. if my thesis is still valid, and if I'm if I'm tilting with an amount of money that I can afford to tilt with, right? Yep. That isn't going to totally destroy my my future. Then yeah, I'm probably sticking with it. Right. I, I, right. I I feel like I might be wrong, but but that's no, that's my I mean, 
look, all of this has to do with individual investing and, and the framework for how you want to do that investing. And so we started this with the listener right. question. Hey, I think, you know, given the backdrop, do you have a thesis? My answer is like, I don't really have a macroeconomic thesis. I'm walking you through where I would get to in terms of investing, which we've talked about on this show, but also today's episode, why I talk about it in this way. So what we're going through is your own framework and thinking about your thesis. And when do you evaluate it? This is an important question to me is, how you just answered that. If you have a thesis and you invest in that, write it down and revisit it every so often, whatever that means to you ahead of time, you know, I'm going to revisit it on the, on this schedule and think about it. But what I don't want you to do is switch strategies every other year. And it's much better to stick with a strategy than to switch it. And what I'm trying to look for, look, say is if you are 60 or 70% confident, that means there's a good chance you were wrong. And if there's a good chance you're wrong, then what does it cost you? That was your point. And what do you gain? If you switched 10 or 20% of your portfolio to hopefully not, you know, hopefully make five or 10% more over a five or 10 year time horizon with very, you know, not that great of a confidence. Yeah, maybe it works out and maybe it doesn't. And you've caused yourself a lot of stress in the meantime, revisiting this allocation, monitoring your portfolio. Now, if it's fun for you and you like picking some individual stocks and doing that, that's great. But the question was more, given the macroeconomics, would you shift your portfolio? And by what we've talked through today, you can see how hard it is and why it's not really worth the effort because you're just not that confident. Even if you came up with a thesis, you're not going to be that confident and you'll probably end up switching strategies. Right. I don't want to literally bet the house. And I don't want to, I don't want to get into a situation where I'm second guessing myself. It sounds like part of the part of what you're saying is that that key question of when do you reevaluate? You, that has to be part of your strategy. You have to write down here are the circumstances under which I think my thesis has been disproven, and it's time to bail. And here is the time frame that I'm going to look at this, and I'm going to put that in my drawer, and I'm not going to. Yep. I'm not going to mess and, with it. And also, I want you to realize how much money you could potentially make or lose. And I would look at that ahead of time. Look, I'll bet, like you said, maybe 10 or 20% tilt to portfolio. What, what are your expectations about coming out ahead or behind, mm-hmm. making an extra 5 or 10%? Put some dollars behind it. And then realize right. it's not going to change your life. You're not starting a new company that you hope to you know, have an IPO. You aren't, you know, betting, like you said, betting the house on one thing that you hope to double in a year. Uh, that would really have a significant impact in your lifestyle. Um, we're talking about tilting things and, and making some bets. So <clears throat> that, uh, that behind us, let me tell you why I talk about the things that I do on this show, which is investing for the long term and keeping a very simplified portfolio. Mm-hmm. Look, if I believed that there was a reason to invest in certain sectors or to invest in a you know, tilt a portfolio certain ways, then I would definitely tell the listeners. Okay, this isn't like trying to avoid some extra work, you know, and and effort and thinking. The point is that not only can you avoid all that extra work by having a simple portfolio, you actually come out ahead. So it's a double win. You're going to come out ahead and you're going to avoid all the stress and the work. And here's why, Matt, because I've looked at the past and the research behind it. And so when we're talking about actively managed funds versus passive, all these active managers, you know, you can give the, a, port, a fund manager some money. And they're doing this exact thing that we're talking about today. What's the macroeconomic environment? 
where should we tilt portfolios? Where should I invest? I think this country is better than this country. I think tech is you know, not so good. I think energy is better. They're actively managing the money. This is what they do. And when you look at the results, 80% of this is the large cap funds. So we can look at actively managed versus passively passive index fund, like an S&P 500, large cap, US large cap. At 80% of actively managed US large cap funds underperform the simple S&P 500 over 10 years. So 80% of these managers trying to predict what we are today, the listener question, what's the macroeconomic environment? Where am I going to invest dollars? That's what fund managers do all day long. And 80% of them underperform a simple buy and hold of the S&P 500. And this is why I recommend what I do. A simple buy and hold of a well-diversified portfolio will outperform 80% 80% of active managers out there. Well, it's so it's going back to your example, and it could be the chicken sandwich or the house version of it. I mean, it's not that I'm 60% confident. <clears throat> it's that I should be 80% confident that I'm wrong, that, that whatever thesis I have is probably not, not as good as not having a thesis. Yeah, now part of it's the fees. I do want to be clear. Part of it, like the active managers underperform after fees, okay? Because you can just buy and hold the S&P 500 oh, for so see. cheaply. And you might charge you 1%, you know? So now they have to beat the S&P by that 1%, right? right just to right, even right. make up their fees. So if you're doing it on your own, obviously, you, well, you should pay yourself for all that time and effort. <laughs> but you probably don't track it that way. But that's my point is I am, so what you just said, Matt, I'm 80% confident that a simple buy and hold of the of uh, large index funds will outperform actively managed funds over 10 years time horizons. Right, right, right. So now, this is based on historical, you know, looking backwards, historical data. So if you were going to, if it, let's say you have some money that you want to tilt with, right? You, you feel like you're well diversified, but you're like, look, there's a certain portion of this where I, I, it is fun for me. Or, you know, I just, I want to be a little bit more aggressive. Where would you go to develop a thesis? So what I would do there is for that individual that has some money that they want to, we call it, you know, play with in quotes, you know, I want to make some, some active bets. Just make sure again that, um, how much are you going to, how much are you going to do? What's, what's the dollar amount? And what is your own framework for doing that? Hey, I'm going to do this dollar amount. And I'm going to invest in these kinds of things, hoping to, you know, achieve this. Now, I'm not, everybody has their own, there's no place that I can send, you know, listeners to do that because everyone has their own concept of like, oh, I like these kind of companies or I work in this sector. I know, you know, I've got some inside information about these, these companies that I think would do well. And that's great. And a lot of my clients have that, that itch they need to scratch. And so we set aside some amount of money and make a little game or a framework and say, okay, $40,000 and just track that. The number one tip I can give you is to track what you do over time. And then in one or two or three years, just compare it to a low cost index fund. Mm. You know, if you're, if you're betting on us companies, just do it, you know, versus the, the total us stock market, just see, you know, that makes it a more fun game. Did you come out ahead? How did you do, you know, how's it working out for you? Um, so I would definitely just you know, Good give way that to tip keep yourself well. honest. And you may yeah. or may not want to share your performance versus that low cost index fund with your spouse. It really depends <laughs> on right. how you did. My <laughs> advice right. to you is 
don't. Even if you did well, <laughs> that means you that well. your spouse is going to want to know the next time. You just That's don't right. set yourself up that way. <laughs> it's the same it. reason don't do the laundry well when your spouse asks because expectations. All right, Mike Morton, <laughs> thanks very much for running down that listener question. We have uh, another listener question pending with us. I'm looking forward to getting to that one in our next episode. So please, listeners, keep sending those along. For Mike Morton, I'm Matt Robeson. See you next time. Thanks, Matt.